0: how do you bring a character back from the dead? You know, I kind of was scratching my head going, I wonder if this is disrespectful to the audience or is it gonna be hokey, you know? And I had a talk with uh, a veteran producer friend of mine and he said, you know how rare it is for, you know, a studio to change the timeline to bring back the character? He's like, you know, this is is very rare in Hollywood and you should really embrace it. It means that uh, the character is really popular with the fans. And he's like, can't discredit that. I was like, let's go for it. You know, it's like, what a great opportunity.
1: Ask any podcaster, any real podcaster. It doesn't matter if you record in person or over video chat, podcasting's podcasting. Welcome back to EW's Binge of the Fast Saga, full transcripts of which are available on EW.com. I'm Derek Lawrence, aka the guy who went as Dominic Toretto for two straight Halloweens. As that icon once said, The most important thing in life will always be the people in this Zoom, right here, right now. And for me, that's the Dom to my Brian, the Letty to my Mia, the Roman to my Tej, the Giselle to my Han, Chanel Berlin Johnson. Chanel, are you ready to go down the longest runway in history to talk Fast and Furious 6?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, I hope I have the stamina to make it down this extremely long runway. Uh, But actually, I have to say, after looking back at this movie and then talking about it, I feel like this one is pretty underrated in the franchise. So, so stoked to get into it.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I even brought that up to Sung. I think it's, you know, it falls in between Fast Five, which as we talked about last week, may be the greatest film in film history. (laughs) And then after it is Seven, which obviously we all know the tragic circumstances, you know, Mm -hmm. that happened on that one. And, you know, we all, you know, are so attached to it because that was our goodbye to Paul Walker and to Brian that Fast 6 just kind of gets lost a bit. And yeah, exactly. We're here to help you find it again because no, this is definitely one uh, worth revisiting and kind of maybe reevaluating if you haven't thought about it that much. Um, mm-hmm. But as a refresher to any new listeners, you know, in case you're just a big tank guy, uh, ahead of F9's June 25th release, we're binging all of the Fast movies with the family themselves. We've already chatted about the first five installments. So you can go back and check out our interviews with Vin Diesel, Ludacris, Lucas Black, Justin Lin, and Jordana Brewster. But today, not only is Justice here, but so is Sung Kang. Yes, the man behind our beloved Han is talking fast six with us and a a lot more. I feel like this is... Maybe we covered more ground, fittingly, in a movie that covers so much much (laughs) runway. We covered more ground than on any other episode. So it's truly a great one. Um, But before we get into today's must-listen chat with Sung, Chanel... What do people need to remember about this sixth installment, which originally appeared to be the last one for both Sung and director Justin Lin?
2: Yeah, what a what a switcheroo on us now (laughs) that we know how things go. Um, all right, so but even before we get to what happens eventually to Han's character, the thrust of this movie is like Letty's back. Like that's the catalyst for all of the action. Uh the audience already knows that she's alive, but this is where we see everyone else find out. Um, she's got amnesia, she's running with Owen Shaw's crew, and Owen is all up to all kinds of criminal behavior on a large scale (laughs) in a way that is causing problems for a lot of people, including, of course. Um, uh, Hobbs. And we get to see what really happened to her. That's how we find out that she's got the amnesia too. And it's sort of like a fun flashback comparison to like that crazy CSI Sherlock Holmesy scene that Dom does by just like touching the asphalt um, to see that really she kind of got blown away from that big explosion. And that's why she's still here. And Hobbs reaches out to Dom's to Dom and his crew for help. Um, and he kind of knows that he'll be motivated both by Letty returning, but also the promise of full pardons for everyone. Because of course, everybody's in places with no extradition after Rio. Um, so a good reason to get the team back together. Something that I forgot about, is that Gina Carano has such a huge part <laughs> in this movie. Uh, she's a double agent, though. Don't trust her. Um, and good, good, at-
1: rule. good rule for Gina Carano, I'll just say. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, trust her. Yeah.
2: Works out naturally there. Uh, but yes, all of the action culminates in, of course, the longest runway ever built, conceived, performed upon in movie history. Uh, and that's where we unfortunately lose both, or where we lose Giselle and eventually lose Han because he goes to Tokyo. And then we are... Introduced to Deckard Shaw, brother of Owen, who is out for revenge on Dominus Crew, which sets up Furious Seven.
1: Man, I, oh, that was a mouthful, but you, you, you somehow got it all in. There's there's <laughs> yeah. a lot. Uh, there's a lot in this one and, and a lot to talk about. And we get into most of it with Sung, but what we don't touch on with him uh will be after the interview. Chanel and, and I will as always jump back on and uh hand out some awards that allow us to further talk through. Uh, What happened in Fast 6. But until then, let's ride into our conversation with Sung Kang.
0: Remember the second you go through those doors, everything changes. Our old life is done.
1: Come on, this ain't the Boy Scouts. This is what we do. And what we do is have Sung Kang Han himself on to talk about Fast and Furious 6. Welcome to our binge of Fast and Furious.
0: Thanks, Eric. It's good to be here.
1: I'm so excited to talk Fast 6, which... I mean, I've seen it so many times, but rewatching ahead of talking to you, I'm convinced this one's now underrated. I feel like it's because it's sandwiched right between five and seven. Like, you know, five, obviously, I think a lot of people like, you know, five might be my favorite movie of all time, like not just fast movie. And then like, you know, seven was such a big one as well. Um, I mean, for you, what's the first thing you think of when you when you think back to uh, Fast Six? Fast Six was...
0: It was kind of like the last time everybody was really together, you know. So that speci- that movie is really special because we got to spend a lot of time together as a group and in the UK. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember we had a Thanksgiving dinner while we were in London, and you know, it was a really special time. I think it was last time as a cohesive group we were able to hang out together like that. You know?
2: That's beautiful. I love that you guys had yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. I. I've- Heard you talk about in previous interviews that you guys also um, got to hang out a lot after filming for five. So was this like sort of a carryover? You know, just a reunion feeling of like, oh, like everybody, the whole family's here.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, when you're on location like that and you guys are housed close to each other, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to hang out after after work. So you know, we, we, London's a great place because there's so much to do. There's so much culture and you know, so many pubs to go to and. um yeah, it was a nice carryover, really. I mean, 5 was the film that we were all in Puerto Rico together. So, it kind of felt like we were in a big dorm. And it was the first time that we really got to know each other, you know, and hang out and become really good friends. And then 6 was, a, was an automatic carryover.
1: First off, a great man once said, you know, he lives his life a quarter mile at a time. You know, nothing else matters for those 10 seconds or less. He's free. So, how would you, how would you sum up Fast 6 in 10 seconds?
0: Oh, that's so hard there.
1: <laughs> I originally was going to do 30, but like 10 just felt like, you know, it had to be done for for this franchise. How do you sum
0: up fast six and 10 seconds? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Come on, That's a question you didn't send me like a week ago.
1: Right?
0: I God, I don't. Well, let me ask you, how would you sum it up? And then... The... How would you sum it up? Because I get because it's I don't know if I can do it in ten seconds. How would you sum it up in ten seconds?
1: I feel like I'd go a tank, a long runway, in tears. I don't know. I don't know. That was like less than ten <laughs> seconds, and that didn't really give much away of the movie. But yeah, I know. I wasn't prepared too. I I should have set myself that question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I God,
0: that's a tough one. That's a really, really tough one. Um. It takes you 15. I won't,
1: I won't count it against you if, if you end up at 15. You know okay. what I mean? Like, All right. Ready? Yep.
0: Okay. Love, loss. That's it. That's it. Love, <laughs> love, loss, love, loss. That's it. I think those two words are enough. Love I loss. I think so. I think so. Yeah, Especially
1: yeah. when it comes to uh, to Han, that uh, is yeah. kind of dead on. Yeah. I mean, we're, we'll dig really deep into, into six, but, you know, I feel like we should start by going back. So, obviously, you and Justin first worked together on Better Luck Tomorrow, you know, in yeah. which you guys debuted Han. Um, so, how does the conversation initially start of, you know, not only you being in Tokyo Drift, but you playing Han again?
0: Um, well, when Tokyo Drift came along, uh, Justin had given me and a couple of other actors from Better Luck Tomorrow call to have lunch. And just to break the news, you know, it was like, hey, I got this great opportunity to direct this movie called Fast and Furious. And they're like, what? Right? <laughs> like, what? And Better Look Tomorrow, if you go back to the movie, we actually, he actually references Fast and Furious yep. and Better yep. Look Tomorrow, right? And the idea that, you know, a film that we kind of grew up on and watched on screen that we get to be a part of was crazy. I mean, when we shot Better Luck Tomorrow, I remember our craft service was a box of Entenmann donuts and five sticks of Wrigley spirit <laughs> Spiritman Gum that was spread out, like five little <laughs> sticks, right? And then when Justin actually had the opportunity to direct Tokyo Drift, he had a production office with the production staff with extra chairs and he had his own little mini fridge i mean we would close the door and just start freaking out and pinch ourselves <laughs> you know, look where we come from right coming from this little film better luck tomorrow to the actual inside the gates of the universal studios um and when justin first approached or spoke about tokyo drift you know he was telling me and the other uh, actors that there really isn't a role for us in the film right um it was kind of it just felt, you know, Justin's really honest and he, he trusts his guts and it, it's it's really about casting for him. You know, that's what he was taught. It's casting, casting, casting. And even though he's our friend and, um, you know, our bro in a way, um, you know, he just wanted to say, hey, you know, there's certain structures within the film that, you know, you guys don't fit and, you know, hopefully there'll be more opportunities, but I just wanted to let you guys know, right? And we we're like, oh, that's awesome, man. And then Justin gave me a call and he said, um... Uh Finn and Hiller were the casting directors for Tokyo Drift, big, big time casting directors in Hollywood. I never had the opportunity to meet them. And, you know, just to give you a point of reference at that time, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even had an agent, you know, getting opportunities were very rare. To even go audition was very rare. Um, and uh, uh, Justin said, hey, you know, why don't you just go in and why don't you just read for the Sean Boswell character, it's already cast, you know, we already decided we we're going to cast in the film, um, but it's a great opportunity for them to meet the, the casting directors for future opportunities. So I went in there and read, had a lot of fun. And then a few weeks later, Justin called and said, hey, um, think uh, Bow Wow was casting it, right? So he, they had cast Bow Wow and they said, um, there's an opportunity for a smaller character. Um, and I think his name was Phoenix at the time and it was um we were gonna cast a hip hop artist for that, but since we already have Bow Wow as Twinkie, there's an opportunity to just kinda open it up and you know the pitch um was that why can't we hire an Asian American character with a nondescript lineage? It's not Japanese, we don't really know who he is. And we're like, Yeah, why not? And you know, that'd be great. And so, Justin showed the tape for, you know, Sean Boswell that I had read already. <clears throat> and I went in and met a couple of other producers and that's how I got cast into Tokyo Drift. It wasn't really written out, um, you know, at the beginning, but then so, it, it, it you know, it just eventually evolved. So, that's how I got into Tokyo Drift. <laughs>
1: I love that because then I think Phoenix, that ends up being a character in Fast 4. So I love that even maybe that, maybe not the full character, but at least the character name uh, carried over for for Justin. I mean, we see Han, you know, now we can say quote unquote die um, in Tokyo Drift. So then what's your reaction when Justin, you know, says he wants to upend the whole timeline of Fast and go backwards and, you know, and have Han still alive. And even at at the top of Fast 4, it seems like it could still just be a... A one-off here like you know like you show up at the beginning and then you're kind of like oh i think i might go you know check out tokyo so again we're like oh you know that was good to see him but we might you know that might be it so wh- what was it like when, when justin tells you like no i want to keep this going
0: i, I was i was kind of asking him what he was drinking or smoking like how do you bring <laughs> a character back from the dead you know and i had to step back and first go wow this is pretty special that you know a uh, a character that had passed away is brought back like they have to upend the whole timeline. I mean, I kind of was scratching my head, going, I wonder if this is disrespectful to the audience or is it going to be hokey you know and I had a talk with uh a veteran producer friend of mine that was retired, and he said, "You know how rare it is for you know a studio to change the timeline to bring back a character. He's like you know this is this is very rare in Hollywood, and you should really embrace it. It means that you know the the, the character is really popular with the fans and he's like can't discredit that and he's you know I mean early on he was telling me that you know this is a fan based franchise, you know, it's really fan supported so you have to listen to them and embrace it. It's rare. So I was like, let's go for it. You know, it's like what a great opportunity. Yeah. And under Justin's you know guidance, I knew he wasn't gonna be hokey. He was gonna you know he he was gonna make it, you know, something that we could be proud of. So I think it worked out how
2: so, much yeah. <laughs> of how much of the I guess through line of the of Hans character once it was decided okay we're gonna go back and figure out how we catch up to Tokyo mm-hmm. um, how much of that did you discuss with Justin like throughout because it ends up being four five and six did you kind of know what that arc was for all of them or was it sort of a surprise with each movie
0: well each surprise being you know popular and then kind of upping the the previous one it's you know that's the unknown who knows right we yeah. we never know what you know, what's going to happen when you put the film out there. So, I mean, you can talk about it and say, yeah, it'd be great if Han could live on and all the characters can live on to Fast 100. But, you know, look, if Fast 9 comes out and nobody watches it, it's probably the end (laughs) of of being fast. (laughs) (laughs) It would be slow. So, so you just hope for the best. You enjoy the moment and you just hope for the best. And like, you know, my my producer friend told me, he's like, you just got to embrace it. It's one of those rare things.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know from the yeah. fan side, it was ex- every time there would be like a tease for Tokyo, and I'd be like, "Oh no, not yet, not yet," <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it was just so yeah. exciting.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I was so you know we we mentioned Han, you know, lives on for a few more films after Tokyo Drift, and you know, even more after that. We we've learned in the in last year's trailer, but uh, we knew one day, like the events of Tokyo Drift had had to catch up. Um, so, like, how did Justin tell you ahead of Fast Six that this was finally the time, or was it kind of like? you had known for a while that like, this is probably going to be the end, at least for now.
0: Um, no, Justin keeps everything really close to his chest because he knows the process as an actor. If I kind of know too much, it doesn't really, it's not helpful during the performance, you know? So he's really smart in keeping certain information away from the actor. So, you know, in the moment we can be true to whatever we're going through. Right. Um, And then i think towards the because they had to decide i think there was a lot of they're trying to figure out if stephen was going to come back and you know what characters were going to come back and how it was going to work out so they didn't know and you know the cool thing is that everybody's there working cohesively together to you know kind of evolve while we're shooting because you know ideally let's say you want somebody like Steven, but he's busy. I mean, it doesn't work out, right? right? Or, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's the show business part of it. And sometimes things just don't work out. Right. So fortunately it did. And I think, you know, I think the reason it works out is because it's, it goes back to the fans. I mean, the fans support this film, you know, and I think any actor with some brains will look at that and go, Hey man, this is good for my career. Great opportunity. It's already a beloved franchise and it brings in a whole new demographic maybe they didn't have before. So I think that's why as you start to see the films evolve, you see these amazing actors. Like, you know, we have Helen Mirren, Like yeah. I scratched my head. I'm like, What? <laughs> and the coolest thing, guys, this is one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my career is while we were shooting Fast Nine, I had a couple of weeks break. So I, you know, went home, right? See my family, and everything, and I came back, and I'm looking around in my trailer, and I notice there's a different like brand of tea, English tea. It was PNG tips, these <laughs> little cheap, tea, you know, English tea, and then there was some other like you know cutlery and things in the in the in the trailer that I didn't notice, and and then I look down and I see the sides for Helen Mirren. Right, so she was in my trailer for the two weeks, drinking her tea, using my toilet, right, laying on the bed—not my bed, but I mean it was, you know, ours, right? And uh, and dude, I was free. I, I had to go. I had to actually make some of her tea. Sit there and go, oh wow, this is what a Oscar winner drinks, right? It was, it was, it was pretty cool. It was surreal for me, you know. It was it was pretty awesome.
1: I would have watched that reality show, like if you guys were happened to happen to be sharing it for a few days at least. Like Song and Helen and Dame Helen Mirren just like sharing I a trailer. That would have been yeah. amazing.
2: <laughs> it makes me think uh uh 'cause you used to do uh the the car discussion sort of series that even was happening while you guys were filming. So I would love to see her yeah. on that
0: with you. <laughs> I know. She would be brilliant. Next time I see her, I'm gonna ask her.
2: Yeah. yeah. That yeah.
0: is so awesome,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, did um, did Justin, I mean, obviously, it, it seems fitting that, you know, you and Justin come into the fast world together, you leave the fast world <laughs> together with, with fast six, and then now coming back again to with fast nine. So like, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a total coincidence. And even talking with Justin previously, like, it's, you know, pretty obvious, like, he felt like that, that was the right thing to do. Um, did you guys have any conversations like about that a- as you guys were wrapping Fast 6 and knew that you were both kind of, you know, moving on at least for a bit?
0: No, we thought it was over. I actually thought, okay, you know, it was what a great ride. We enjoyed it. May changed our lives for sure, you know, and met some amazing people. Definitely taught me more than I ever expected about the business of Hollywood. So I was, you know, I was totally like happy and content. Um... And then, you know, the opportunity of coming back together, come on, that's like, you know, that's a Hollywood story right there, you know, to to whatever, to to find justice and wherever the injustice is and to play off of that and to have kind of a call to action. But how awesome is it that like we, I feel like this is the film that we're really in tune and connected with the fan base, you know, before we're going through emotions and trying to figure things out as we're going through it. But this... I mean, the ethos of it is like to give the fans what they want because, you know, everybody listen, this whole like, concept is fan based, This whole hashtag Justice for Han was created by Jenya Mato, an LA Times, you know, uh, journalist who felt like there was just injustice. Like, how could you kill this character off without never addressing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, you have to step back and go, wow, there must have been something really powerful from these films and these characters for people to spend their time and resources to say, I want justice for a fictitious character, <laughs> you know? So it's pretty cool, man, it's, it's, it's all, it's just, it's sometimes I go, how did all of this happen? So it makes you, it, it gives you perspective and it tells you, man, you gotta really just be grateful for the things that are happening to you, you know?
2: So, yeah. When was the first time that you sort of encountered the Justice for Han hashtag? Was it did you just see the LA Times story or did fans try to interact with you? Like you're on social media, did they reach out to you that way?
0: Oh yeah, I would see it every day. You know, they would tag me and tag that and then you know, I didn't want to get too emotionally invested because you know, these are big you know, these are huge moments in our lives and you know, you don't want your expectations up too high. But then you know, I started noticing that, you know, Studios were listening to social media, they were listening to the fans and with all the negative things about social media these days, you know, the one thing that I think is really positive is that it does give you an insight to what people are thinking like right away, like it's instant reaction. And and they can, they can be sincere, you know, they can be sincere, and they don't have to hide behind any pretense because you don't know who these people are. <laughs> yeah. So if they hate you or hate the movie, or you did something that really upsets them you know you will hear about it every day if you're on social media you know. so i would see it i would see it i'd be reminded okay all right all right justice i get it i get it but what's gonna happen man you know it's like it's nice but then it just started getting bigger and bigger and then here we are guys you know
1: i mean why do you think it you mentioned this is like a fictitious character you know but what it is what do you think it is about that people just connected to you know what i mean like not every character that dies in a film you know people are on the internet you know and making hashtags and making shirts and you know wanting you know i mean we could have never even imagined the justice for han movement leading to to where we are now with you coming back um so what was it about the character you think that just connected with people so strongly
0: you know i think if you just break it down and you take away you know ethnicity or cool cars and all of that it's you know it's a Guy, I think it's Han is a friend that everybody wants. This idealistic, you know, kind of conception of the older brother or the guy who's gonna take care of everything, you know, the, the loyal friend, the guy who is cool but, you know, is still kind of he has that Robin Hood kind of kind of vigilante kind of vibe about him, you know. Um and at the end of the day the way I think the creators and Justin kind of structured him is It's taking like the best version of you and kind of going, okay. If you were to hang out with the cool dude or cool gal, what would that person be like? And number one, you know, that person probably wouldn't be thinking about money. Would probably have integrity. Would probably be kind of really worried about you know the person's word opposed to who he is or how famous he is or what car he drives. And and somehow you know Han exudes that. It's just really simple and also. Even choosing the name of Han, you know, it's a really kind of difficult translation from Korean to English is, you know, Han in Korean means like, it's, it's, it's a yin and yang, it's like, even when good things are happening, you have to be careful because something bad's going to show up, right? And when things are horrible, don't stress too much to be calm because I mean, that something good is going to come. So Han has this, like, even keel. Even if he's making money, so what, man? Something might happen. Like, your love of your life is going to disappear. So, you better always find balance, you know? So, I think he just makes people feel comfortable and at ease. And there's no judgment. You know, when you hang out with Han, even in, in the real life, when I go out and I meet, you know, fans or people that have seen the movie, in a way, they want me to be Han. You know, they want you to be that friend or the big bro or the mentor that doesn't judge and is okay with whatever you drive. And it's just like, as long as you're a good guy and you could be part of the crew, you know, and I think it's it's weird. It's like, I feel like I have a key to every car guy's garage or car person's (laughs) garage, you know, because they want to tell me about their car, give me a beer, you know, and tell me about their whole life. And it's... You know, it's it's really been a pretty amazing blessing being able to put on the Han wig, if you will. <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: Um, I saw like in an old junket interview, I think, where you talked about how it even kind of took you a while to really appreciate what Han's like value system is. Um, in yeah. part because, like, you know, now sort of Tokyo Drift, he's sort of at his wisest. I mean, until. We see what happens with nine, but um, and then we kind of go back and see his journey there. So for you, like going back to him again in nine, did you feel like you had to sort of uh, reconnect and evolve him even more? Like you know, figure out what is that next level of cool now that he's had some years to sort of like deal with everything he's gone through.
0: That's a great question. Um, yeah, I guess you know, like what is what is what is the definition of cool really? Is it's I, I think it's impossible to play cool. You know, like you act, tell an actor, be cool. Like hey, you can't do that. What's going to do? <laughs> like, I don't. I don't know. Well, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's a, you know, button your shirt. Is that cool I mean, for some? Or for some, that's gross, right? <laughs> I think for me, it was Fast Nine was the easiest one for me to play because you know Han is older. You know, he's much older. He's much wiser. Um, there is a different level of, I guess, guilt or weight that he carries, you know, and I think if I showed up five years younger or ten years younger trying to play that, you know, I wouldn't know where to start from. And I think just because you know I'm older now and look, it doesn't matter if you're in Hollywood or, you know, you work at the post office. Life deals you life problems. And it's if you can adjust and learn from it, you know, and that's I think that's where wisdom and that's where coolness comes from. It's on how you you know, deal with the, the daily crises of life. Right. And I think just, you know, life lessons has given me perspective that I didn't have before. I think, you know, it was kind of a natural fit. You know, it was like, and fast nine, you know, we have Hans hair shorter, you know, so it all just kind of, was. it all made sense. No, nothing felt forced. I had short hair back then anyway, so <laughs> it, was, it was kind of, it worked out. Right? And, uh because I was older, and as an actor, I was playing older characters, right? So it was nice. It was nice to come back, and I was a little worried. I was like, "Well, you know, what if all the, all the, you know, the, the elements of the fast things were just kind of lost to me?" But because of the family and because of the actors and the, most of the crew came back, it felt like a reunion, and it was pretty easy to pop in. And then you have all these wonderful artists that help the process, right? So any nervousness or kind of insecurities you know it it just resolves after a few days so you know fast is like going to a family reunion you know and everybody there with the right kind of you know motivation to make something super entertaining yeah
1: getting um kind of going back a few steps to uh to fast six um i mean you know we pick up with with han and giselle like in tokyo and like Throughout the movie, it's like clear like Han has like truly fallen for Giselle and they're like both ready to start, you know, this life together. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's really bittersweet watching back just knowing like what's to come, you know, by the end of Fast Six. Um, and it's impressive how invested, you know, w- we all got in that relationship considering it's really just two movies with, with you guys in it together. And I mean, it's not like it's a major, st- you know, it's kind of like in the background or these little moments. Ever thought about settling down starting a life together
0: aren't we doing that
1: are we what what did you love about that relationship and working with gal like was it was the chemistry like pretty immediate on fast five and you guys able to just build from that
0: people always ask me what what, what's it like what was it like kissing wonder woman You know i i she is beautiful all of that i get all of that but at the end of it she's just she's so cool to hang out with she's like like just one of the crew and she's like a tomboy in, at, at heart so you know there was nothing like unusual or uncomfortable about her she makes you feel you know like you're your old friend right away you know um so you know i think because most of the time we were paired together we were also hanging out and then you know a lot of times we got to talk about family and history and you know the things that we're going you know dealing with in our daily lives and um and so you know we had a friendship we had a true friendship and you know even though both of us are married that friendship was able to carry over into the film because you know when gal i mean giselle does eventually you know i guess technically pass fast and furiously pass away, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going to see my friend. I knew maybe we wouldn't see each other for a while and it was, it was over. Right. So and that, that's, that really sucks. Right. But in terms of working with Gal, come on. The reason she's Wonder Woman is because that's really who she is. You know, the camera doesn't lie. I was told by an old cinematographer once. And I said, you know, he 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 described to me that, yeah, the camera doesn't lie, man. You know, there's certain people that are born to play superheroes and certain people that are born to play villains. Not that they are in real life, but there's something, there's some essence, some, you know, light behind their eyes that needs to be projecting. So the camera grabs it. And I think the perfect evolution for Dal was Wonder Woman. I mean, that's who she was and, you know, and that's who she is. So it's, it's, she's, she's... She's A plus, A plus.
2: When you were, so like that sort of penultimate scene, like where we lose uh, the Giselle character happens in the middle of this giant action sequence. So like when you're playing that, how do you, like, did you guys talk about like sort of the right way to sort of catch that intimacy? Because I also imagine it's like, a lot of stuff with Fast and Furious is practical, but I can't imagine you guys were like with a giant plane the entire time, right? So how do you sort of bring sort of that emotional element to that, even though there's all this other stuff going around?
0: Well, that stuff is shot separate. You know, the close-ups of her, you know, of us kind of losing each other on that plane, that was all in green screen where they got the nose of, you know, the plane and and, and they actually got a real car. And it was, it was lifted up and, you know, we were on harnesses. So you were actually going through the whole motion, right? Mm. We, we didn't see, you know, we weren't on the, on the hundred mile runway. <laughs> 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 Which if we were, it probably would have been better because we had a lot of time to kind of go through it. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you get, you get put in the position and then emotionally when the camera runs, you gotta, you gotta call it up, right? So. I mean, it's it, that, that day was pretty demanding because there was a lot of stunts going on. And, you know, we are actually on the nose of the, the car and the plane, right? And we're going through it, right? And fortunately, somehow, you know, they were able to grab those emotions. And it, I think it worked out. I think it was pretty impactful.
1: Yeah. Know? I mean, you're, you're obviously not, you know, the writer, or the director, but obviously, you think a lot about, you know, Han and, you, you know, you'd been playing him for so long. We, we knew one day we had to get to him, the version we see in Tokyo Drift. And as mm-hmm. you guys were building this relationship with Giselle, I don't know, for you, did it feel like this was kind of the only way you guys could get to where Han is in Tokyo Drift? Like he kind of had to lose Giselle? Um, or w- did you, did you kind of have conversations about that as you guys were, were deciding this is where it was going?
0: You no, know, like I said, you know, the, the information is really kept away from you know the actors from Justin, right? Um, and I think rightfully so. Um, so we know we, we we never really discussed that, but I do think he needed to lose Giselle because he's Han. You know, it's like anything that good happens, something bad's going to follow him, right? And it's really on how he deals with that is what makes Han. You know, because if he wasn't on. He would just disappear he would probably drink himself to death and go what's the point of this like you know really like, what's the point of money if you don't have people to share it with and there was a whole life with giselle that they had planned you
2: know also talking about the other sort of big relationship with han that we hear about obviously in tokyo drift but we don't get to see until like you come into fast four and then into fast five is that han already knew dom and so like when you are brought back into the series and it's like, okay, we have to establish this relationship. Did you guys have to talk a little bit about that backstory? We could sort of get hints at it as fans, as viewers, but we don't know sort of the whole story behind sort of how that relationship came together and how you become part of the crew really. Um, so did you and Vin like getting to know him? Like, did you guys talk about that at all?
0: Yeah. Did you ever see Los Bandidos? Yeah. So that tells you where, you know, Vin wants to, you know, and he's always searching for connective tissue to make these relationships sincere. Right. So, you know, Vin's really good at sitting down and just kind of talking things through and, you know, what if this and what if this and let's try this and let's go for this. and um, Because, you know, he knows that without, you know, that sincerity on screen with the family, that there is no fast and furious, you know, aside from the cars, I mean, the cars will bring the people there, but it's that family chemistry and that family theme that keeps the audience there. It's because that's the thing that everybody can identify with. It doesn't matter who you are or what you drive. You can identify somebody has a family member, right? But the car stuff, you know, it's like if you're into cars, that's great. But then after that, you know, he knows how powerful that is. And because, you know, he's a filmmaker first, right? He's always looking for, you know, character integrity and character arc, um, you know, He's adamant about sitting down and having, you know, long discussions about that.
1: There's a few scenes we wanted to ask specifically about. But before that, I wanted to kind of see, do you have a favorite scene in, in Fast 6? Is there is there one that like really sticks out to you for whatever reason?
0: I love getting my butt beat up in the train with Tyrese was, and Joe. I was going to ask about <laughs> that, that is... one, yeah. That to me, it's my favorite scene because it's like everybody in Fast always is so badass. They beat up everybody. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like you can take on twenty, and then you got two of the main characters, <laughs> Roman and Han, and we can't even handle one little fight. You know, little Asian dude beats our ass in public. Right? He just whips us and. And you know I think some actors would have problems with that, but I think that stuff is hilarious right i go you you take you just do what what is what is opposite and what is expected and that and that was so fun I mean to be able to go through all that choreography and then you know have three actors kind of try to figure out how we're gonna make it cool, but then make it comedic right and um yeah, I, I just felt like it was a scene that didn't belong in the movie. It was more of a comedy, like a Lauren Hardy kind of thing, right? Um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, so it was a lot of fun.
1: I I love that that one was like at the same time as like Michelle and Gino were having like yeah. this like really oh, yeah. incredible like even fight. And like it's juxtaposed yeah. with like you in, a, you know, Hot and Roman just getting, you know, destroyed and thrown through windows. Like that was kind yeah. of... Uh, Perfect,
0: and that's how the you know the, the I think the studio and the filmmakers you know addressed I think you know representation for females in, in in films was that like what a perfect just what you described like how awesome is that you have two of the female leads like just kick some butt and then you got the male leads just getting their ass <laughs> right. whipped right it was perfect it was perfect way to address that you
2: know. <laughs> Um, sort of to stay on that, like how is it working with Tyrese? Because you also got you have the the scene before that where you guys to have a like a little bit of a comedic rapport, and um, yeah. I've heard that he's like singing on set all the time. Yeah. So what was it like to get to team up with him yeah. a little bit more?
0: It's like having that fun brother that is there and that has so much energy, and it's like when Tyrese and I are, are together, most it, working is kind of hard to do because we're always laughing. I mean dude is the funniest dude you know it's like he can lighten up every mood every every set like he'll show up and start saying, and and then it it, it makes you step back and go yeah why am i taking this so seriously take the work and the craft seriously but still you know it's a movie have fun with it right and it's yeah I'm, i'm i'm glad that we've had these years to get to know each other and really form a you know a relationship you know i don't know man that was disrespectful And I don't like the way she said it. Like, he's a man. He's a man? So what are we? Come on, she's just doing her job. Doing her job. I see what's going on. See what? You got that little stardust in your eye, huh? Little birds floating around a little bit. (laughs) Uh, You don't want to lease this model. You want to buy. Can you please stop talking?
2: No, no, no. You're in
0: love. Look at you. <laughs> Just stop. Uh, you got special plans, huh? Big day? Go invite us all out? Mm-hmm. Better make sure you get her a big rock, man, because she don't look like she'll be that easily impressed. No, and if it's not a big rock, you better be big somewhere else. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's why all your girlfriends wear so much bling, huh?
1: There's so many huge action set pieces in this one. I mean, you guys have, you know, the tank, you have the, you know, huge uh, runway in the plane sequence. Did you feel like, I mean, obviously, Fast Five went up a level from four and each one seems to go up a level. But like Fast Six really felt like where you guys were like, oh, man, we're doing some like crazy stuff with, you know, uh, these action set pieces. Could you guys feel that as you're doing it, as you see a tank, as you see, you know, a huge plane?
0: We're so desensitized to it now. You know, it's like, of course you got to top. You got to keep topping it. Like, and that's the joke. Is like, where do we go next? I guess you go in a submarine. I say, yeah, where do we go? I guess we go to space. Then I go after space. Where do we go? I think we're going to heaven. I think we're going to be in heaven and and fast ten, You know, <laughs> <laughs> total different dimensions. So, yeah, we're used to it. You got to keep topping it, man. You got to keep topping it. Like every time you see the cars, you go. Wait, it went from a Honda Civic to what? Yeah. (laughs) this
2: Kona Civic? Like, how how did you get there, right? You got to, come on, you know? Totally. Is there something that you haven't done that you would love to do? I mean, thinking about topping things and going and going and going. Like, when you talked to Jordana and she was saying that at one point she was thinking, oh, we should do like speed boats or like something like that, which (laughs) you haven't done a lot of water. Is there anything (laughs) like that that you would love to do?
0: You know, I would love to go back to some of the classic cars, you know, because over the the journey of the, you know, the fast movies, it, like I said, it gave me access to, you know, everyone's garage. So I get to go out and really learn and appreciate these cars and these builders and these amazing car communities that are out there, not only in the States, but throughout the world. And I think, you know, the... One big complaint from the fans, um, especially the car guys, they go, hey, man, you guys are so far removed from like realistic cars I and mean, cars don't fly. Like, you know, not in our world, right? <laughs> they barely even run in their <laughs> world, right? So, like, you know, it'd be nice to kind of represent that and go back to, you know, I guess, you know, this realistic communities. And I, 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 I'm I, a student of, you know, these people and these these artisans and these builders, and I would love to you know, start putting some spotlights on these amazing cars that have been built um, just by regular folks, you know, Um, know, the million dollar supercars are great, but, you know, it's nice to go back and put a spotlight on what's beautiful and the thing that doesn't cost a million dollars, you know, so that's what I I think. I think the fast world has room for that, you know, and that's where new characters can develop and different kind of story themes can develop there. Like, you know, it's not how much the car is worth. It's really. You know, the care and the love that was put into building the car, right, is where the value comes. So stuff like that. No, I'd love to do something like that.
1: We, we've alluded a few times to this epic, you know, runway, probably the longest runway in history. I think I, I think there was actually a study that it was supposedly 26 miles, like, like someone actually (laughs) broke it down. Um, we talked about like filming, you know, the more emotional part with, with Gal, but what was it like just in general, you know, I'm sure it was a lot of, you know, work and a lot of time, you know, spent on that runway, wherever this, uh, this is, um, so what was it like, just take us through kind of filming that sequence.
0: Um, it was like camping out because most of it was, it was at night. So we had to, those are called night shoots, right? So they usually run from sunset to sunrise, right? So you're out there, you feel like you're camping out with all your friends, right? And then, um, around three in the morning, the actors get to go into a trailer and the crew stands out and they actually do most of the work, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they deserve all the credit for you know, scenes like that. Um, but look i mean it, it, i don't have much recollection of it because you know it felt like to to isolate just those moments it, it it's a little difficult because you know a million things are going on and and you're half asleep most of the time right. because like i said it's at night right so those nights are are complete blurs to me i have one recollection is you I'm a Liverpool suck, you know, uh, football fan, yeah. and there was a whole bunch of fire, like fake fire from the from the airplane. That, and there was light and great lighting. And I had, I, I was wearing the Liverpool jersey, and I took a picture of it. And that's <laughs> that's really all I remember from that evening. You know, um, oh, I do remember. I do. This was this was, I think the one of the last times I got to hug Paul was that when Paul. Comes up to me and, and with Jordana and gives me that embrace. I think that was the last time I got to hug Paul. So I do remember that, you know, unfortunately.
1: I mean, what, um, you you mentioned earlier, like, you know, Statham coming in and uh, obviously the reveal of um, him being responsible for, for Han's apparent death, at least. Um, I mean, what what was your reaction when, when you hear that, you know, uh, that Statham's being brought in and, you know, that he's responsible for Han's death? And it wasn't just this, you know, random thing as it appeared like it might have been in Tokyo Drift.
0: Now, the Statham is this crazy story. So uh, let me go back a little bit. Years ago, I did this movie called War, and yeah. Jason Statham was the star, right? And I played this little character in the film where I play one of his, you know, one of the policemen in the forest, the detectives in his crew. And the bad guy was Jet Li at, in that film, and um, it was a big deal. Like, I get to work with a couple of heroes, right? And I remember when we finished the film. Jason and I were at the airport together. For some reason, we were flying out on the same plane. And he goes, hey, what are you doing next? And he's like, what are you off to? He goes, hey, yeah, I got cast in this movie called Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift and he's like oh yeah really and his you know cognia he's like oh that's a great one to be that's a, that's a great thing to be a part of mike right and i was like really and he's like oh yeah that's that's a big franchise and this was remember there was only two movies at that time yeah. So, yeah people love those films he's like well good luck to you and i'm like all right see you later <laughs> years later full circle oh come on man and I, and I was i was talking to jason about that i go jason do you remember that i go think about it man like we, we actually talked about this thing and, and full circle, you we, we come back and you're the dude that's taking me out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really cool. Every time I see state, like, we bring that stuff up. It's like, it's, it's just weird in this business. It tells you like, Hey man, do not be an asshole in this business because it's small and you eventually end up working with people again. Right. So, um, yeah, the fact that we are in a film together at that level, like, you know, talking about it where I was basically an extra in this film and then coming full circle. And yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty cool.
1: I love that he didn't even realize he was actually going to be in Tokyo Drift. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so he's, right I he's in there too. Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I love that. It feels kind of like meant to be overall because uh, with Jordana, she was working on Annapolis with Justin when he got Tokyo Drift mm. and like Tyrese is in that movie. So um, right. it's like amazing just how you all are kind of connected to each other in this way. It's like, oh, oh, clearly this was just meant to be. Is that what it feels like when you, is that what it feels like when you guys are together?
0: It does. I mean,
2: I, I, I don't know if
0: Vin knows this. I think I told him maybe, but he did a film called Multifacial yep. way before Fast, right? And it was a The film he directed and starred in, and it was, you know, the whole theme of it is, you know, the the trials and tribulations of a biracial person in Hollywood. Like, what are you? Are you black? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? And, you know, and right at at my darkest moment as an actor, when I was starting out, I was like, man, there's not going to be opportunity for, for people of color, especially someone that looks like me. And I don't do martial arts. I go, I deliberately don't do martial arts, right? And. That's not who I want to be. That's not why I started acting. I go, there's no opportunities for someone like me. And I went to blockbusters and then the, in the $1 bin, you know, where they would like, you know, yeah. sell the movies. There was this movie called multifacial. And I was like, what is this? So I bought it and I put it in. And that movie gave me hope. And every time I was about to quit, I would stick it in oh, and wow. go, yeah. Right. I go, Hey man, keep going. And that movie taught me a lot of things because, you know, Vin directed it, he produced it, he starred in it. And I don't know, you know, after after talking to him, like when I said, why did you make that film? It's like, because no one, no one was giving him opportunity. So, he tried. And that film got him cast into Saving Private Ryan, right? And then the rest is history, right? And we will talk, we, we talk about that and I go, dude, of all the actors that are out there, I find this $1 videotape, right? At Blockbusters. And that film gave me enough wind behind my sails to keep going that I felt like I wasn't alone. And I didn't know who Vin Diesel was, right? Like, it was just this dude from New York, right? Another actor. And then years later, I'm talking to the dude, right? It's, yeah. I mean, that, that's meant to be, is it not? Right? Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah.
2: We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back.
1: Speaking of talking to Vin or even Justin, have you have you planted the seed yet of like, hey, maybe Gal maybe Gal comes back? Like maybe Giselle uh we didn't see technically her die. You you mentioned earlier you called it like a fast and furious death. Um so have you have you slipped that in, uh, uh you know, just throwing it out there?
0: Derek, I don't need to do that. You can go <laughs> to social media and everybody's already talking about that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. So the fact that you even asked that question is something that they're already thinking of. Right. So, yeah, I'm sure it's in the plan. I'm sure it's in the plan. Yeah.
1: It's it's, it's tough. As, as a huge fan, you're like, at, at one part, you're like, oh, like those were such like huge emotional moments, like these deaths, you know, whether it was, you know, Letty first or, you know, Han or Giselle. And you're like, oh, they were such great moments. And like, what does death mean if they come back? But then you're like, no, I love those characters. Like, yeah. give give them to me again. So uh, we'll keep that campaign going. Uh, you know, we'll have to get a good hashtag. I don't know if we've landed on a specific Giselle hashtag, but uh, we'll, we'll have to figure one out. We've seen your probably Han death scene. It probably sets the record for the amount of times a death scene has been shown, like on film. I would guess, I feel like we've seen it at least three times. Did you ever have to like go back when it was like, and film anything extra like when they uh add jason is that just like they're just like special effect adding him in you know behind it or like you know when we see it in in seven again or is it just you filled in that once and you know they just keep reusing it
0: some of it they can it just because we we, we look older now right so we don't want you know that difference to stand out so much right but fortunately I look kind of the same, right? So it's you know, um they can recycle some of the older stuff, right? But I've and it also just keeps me away from some certain things, like, you know, to rehash the whole death thing. He knows that it's probably not a good idea to, you know, bring me back to do that, right? And so they were able to recycle some of the stuff, you know. And and with special effects today. And after they scan you and, you know, all these modern things, like it's amazing what they can do, you know.
2: We know um, to talk about cars a little more. Um, like I know you've talked a lot about how you first got into them. Like you had a neighbor that you went to. What was it like? Did getting into the Fast movie sort of expand your investment in car culture and like your love for it? Like what was that? What did those movies, I guess, do for you? And when coming when it comes to cars and talking about them and learning about them, exploring.
0: Um, well, like I said, the car, the, you know, the franchise is giving me access to, you know, the car committee, So, you know, the, I always had enthusiasm for cars, but it, you know, I did not, uh, basically my family didn't have the resources to do stuff like that and, you know, buy hobby cars and everything. And, and then getting older, it's just so busy, you know, it's so busy to like, you know, to actually spend any time on that. And, you know, it's going to cost some money to a degree, right? And look, uh, people think like actors they have it great all the time. But when you're starting out, man, you had like, you know, 30 jobs just to pay the rent. Yeah. So working on a car is a complete luxury for me, right? So um, now where there is more time and there's more resources and, you know, I, I'm able to go and spend time with people not only doing great work within the cars, but they're able to, I'm able to search and find answers in my personal life, right? Like, what does it mean to be a good husband or a good son? Ah, good son. Oh, sorry. Um, what does it mean to be, you know, a good brother? And I look for these things within car builders. That when you look at their cars, you go, oh, there's a certain level of integrity, or OCD, or compulsion, obsessiveness, right? Um, and why is this person successful in their builds, And why do the cars come out this way? Usually it's a reflection on how they live their life Mm -hmm. and who they are. You know, like you can, I can now pop open a, you know, a hood or look under somebody's, you know, like, you know, console and see their wiring system and go, yeah, probably their bank account. And, you know, probably their life is in disarray, just like their wiring. Right. So, you know, I, I use the car community now. Define and fulfill like these personal answers like amongst you know, men and women that you know represent like true heroes in my life. So that's been the the complete blessing of having access to the car world. People think I just go there, you know, people think, oh, it's so easy. Now you have it you, you can go and look at all these cool cars and stuff. But you get desensitized. Like who cares? After you see that third, you know, Ferrari, like it doesn't really matter. For me, it's the person behind the car. And that's what I've been really, you know, really engaging and been, it's been super exciting uh, to be able to have that access. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, wrapping up, I wanted to go into what we call the final lap, kind of a, a grab bag of, of questions uh, about uh, the, the franchise.
2: Han gets to go to like the big family barbecue, like at the end, in a real barbecue, or maybe even some of the real like meals that you guys had together. Like, what is the thing that you're bringing to the party, whether it's food, whether it's music, what do, what do you bring in?
0: Oh, that's such a great question! Oh, I never thought. of oh, what do I bring to the party? Yeah, like, literally, what do I bring to the party? Literally, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> or you know, mentally, you know, what's your attitude? I don't know. I I assume it's like, what are you bringing to the family barbecue? Like, are you mm-hmm. bringing the chips? Are you bringing the Coronas? Like, I don't know. It's however you want to interpret it.
0: What am I bringing to the family? Oh, that you know, that's such a great question. That's I never even thought about. It. Where does all that food show up? <laughs> yeah. Literally, where does the, who made all that? Right. What would Han bring to, I mean, chips is too easy. Like, come on. I don't think Han needs to bring the chips. I think, you know, I think, where do you guys live? Where do you guys live? L.A., L.A. LA. Okay. I think Han would go to Porto's and bring the Trace Leche's cake. You ever oh, that? You yeah. ever go to Porto's? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, that's that. That's what Han would bring. Yeah. yeah that's I, what Han would bring.
1: I feel like the chips would be a Roman thing. Like Roman would just yeah. be like, you know, he wouldn't really think about it. He'd think he could just get by with the chips. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a couple a couple years ago, I ranked, I did a ranking asking, you know, who is the fastest and furious-est if I, you know, in Fast and Furious. And I ranked the top ten. I want to get your reaction on Han's ranking. I had Han 9 out of 10 because. I gave him three out of four Coronas in terms of fast speed, mm-hmm. but furious. Mm-hmm. I only gave him one Corona. You know He's not, he's just not a furious guy. You know what I mean? And maybe, a, maybe at nine he will be a little more furious. Like, you know, some stuff's happened to him over the years, but what do you think? Does that, does that feel about right? Like nine, you know, out of 10 of these, you know, main characters in terms of, you know, his fast and furiousness.
0: Yeah. Well, how many Korean friends do you have? You have I, a lot of Korean friends? I have a few. Yeah. I have a few. Yeah. Koreans are super angry. Like we hold a lot inside of us, so there's a lot of fury in us. If you think about it, that little country, it's so furious. They split in half. They're furious at each other. <laughs> we, can't, we can't even get along with ourselves, right? So there's a lot of anger, a lot of anger. So, but I think it's hold like repressing it, like really repressing it, right? So, so it's always on tap. It's always on tap, right? So maybe from the outside, there's no fury, but I would say that's what fuels him. You know, that's actually what drives the guy like to wake up and go, all right, there's self guilt, there's guilt, there's injustice in the world. And that makes him furious. And and I think the fast part is just a byproduct of his anger, you know, and and his calmness and all of that. I think if he just let it all go, you know, he'd be out of control, you know, like he would kill himself. You know what I mean? So I I think that's what holds. At least for me, I'm a person that I go. What drives me? Most of the time, it's anger. Like you know, like uh, I got to do better because I'm going to show the world this, right? Or you think I'm this, or because I look like this, you know, you know. So that drives us, right? So I agree but disagree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'll revisit.
1: I'll revisit on uh, Fast Nine. I'll have to go back and uh, you know reevaluate some things and see if uh, Han moves up a few spots.
2: I love that sort of under under the surface like anger sort of fueling other actions. Um it uh, makes me think obviously of like the Incredible Hulk and like these characters have become superheroes to a lot of the mm-hmm. fans and even in some of the stunts of the movies. So, what is your favorite superhero? Batman. It's mine as well. Really? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah.
0: choice. Cuz I mean he he he's fueled by anger and revenge, right? That's his that's that's his ethos in his life the injustice that happened to his parents right that's that's the reason he's Batman right so it's so easily identifiable I, I can connect to it right away if I, if I was a billionaire I'd be Batman too you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I mean this is my justice League the fast the fast world so um, yes. what uh you know in each of these interviews we've been trying to build you know for each character like a spin-off or a prequel in your mind what would a Han? Fast movie look like.
0: There's so many movies in my head. That's the problem. I've been thinking about this for a while, and if I I can't talk too much about it, I can't talk too much about it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Or what it? Have you ever seen Lone Wolf and the Cub? I haven't. No. You ever see this movie? Anyway, if you guys have a chance, it's an anime. It's a it's a manga, um, and then they turned it into a live action and. I saw it when I was in my eighties and, um, and I think many people have been trying to remake this film or make the, I think it was, it it was a film, a couple of films. And I think even Justin like had the rights for it for a while and then Theron Aronofsky had the rights for a while, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a man with a baby, right. And he goes to revenge his wife. Right. and to me, I go, oh, just put on in there with the baby. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need, right? And then, you put, then you get a, his sword as his car, and then boom, you're done. Yeah. Right? You got it. Come and on, he, man, it's over, right?
1: <laughs> and the Fast World just showed, you know, with the great Statham scene in in uh, Fast 8, that like they know how to, you know, do some great action with a, with a baby. So, like, that's, oh, uh, yeah. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. What would be um, kind of here towards the end, you know, we know you can't say too much, but maybe what would be your brief tease of what fans can expect with Fast Nine?
0: One word family. Family sums up the whole film. You know, with all the, the trailers and everything, is are, to me, are kind of misleading. It's really family. It's, I think that's where I have so much hope that the franchise is going to continue. Is that, you know, Justin as a filmmaker, if you look at his films, like you know, people can argue and say one film is better than the other, but for me, the reason I remember, you know, his films in the is not only because I'm a part of it, it's because he, when we talk, he's always you know, like family will come out of his mouth a, a million times because that's the thing that grounds him. Because you start losing control with all the big stunts and all these, you know, these 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 massive action scenes. It's like you start losing perspective, right? You go, well, how does how you how do you ground everything, right? Where do you what do you go back to? And it's always it's been family for him, man. Um and you know, this fast nine, it's like easily I mean, if you talk about it, it's like, you know, there could be some fatigue. You know, you wonder, it's like, will the fast fans come back? Like, will they go, Where are you guys gonna go from now? Right? Like it's like, ah like this this stuff like you you read it, come on. I mean, I, I don't live in La La Land. You read like again? Like where you guys I gonna go now? And like, come on, let it die. It's like over, right? And I go, all right, I get it. I get it in terms of action. There can be a ceiling, but in terms of like real honest, like, you know, family themes, come on, those stories can go forever. right? right. Cause uh, we can relate with family and family issues and drama forever. That's what, why soap operas lived on forever. Right? That's why K drama lives on forever. <laughs> Cause there's just drama within the family,
1: right? Those comments dri- drive me wild. The one that you alluded to, anytime I see on social media, like, you know, I I write so much about Fast and I'll see the comments and yeah, people will be like, oh, you know, still, you know, but I'm like, okay, you, you don't watch these movies. Yeah, you're If you're, you're, not if a you're fan. saying that, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like I get mad when people say that. So I've actually evolved myself as like a fan of things because I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to comment on like some other thing that that won't end because I'm like there's people that there's a reason it doesn't end like people love that thing so let everyone have you know what they love and we love the fast movies and yeah. um so, so thank you so much for joining us and like you know becoming a part of the, the binge family.
0: Of course. What a this this has been a lot of fun talking to you guys. This has been great. And I can tell you guys love the franchise so I just want to say thank you. You know, thank you for your constant support because Without you, Derek and Chanel, and, um, you know, without folks like you that let us talk and kind of share our you know, perspective and our experiences, like, you know, like, we we have nothing. It's, it's You guys set it all up. And without your support, you know, there will be no Fast 10. So thank you. Really, thank you for your time. It means a lot.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I feel like, you know, we've both kind of grown up with this franchise and it's like amazing to see where it'll mm-hmm. go next. So for us, it's just all love and excitement. So. Pleasure hey.
1: to have you. I'm, I'm excited Thank for you. justice for Ham and, and Han. Like, well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well, all, ju- all the justices are coming in fast uh, mime. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> so what's our next adventure after this?
1: How about we stay in one place?
0: Where are you thinking? Tokyo. We always talk
1: about Tokyo. Tokyo it is. All right. Thank you again to Sung. What a both fun and thoughtful interview from him. Um, But I will say we're still waiting for our Justice for Ham shirts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until that glorious day where we are donning those shirts, Chanel and I are now going to hand out some Fast 6 hardware. So as always, how are we going to kick it off, Chanel?
2: It's time to kick it off with deciding who earned our respect in this film. Um, as Brian says in the first movie, if I win, I take the money and the respect. To some people, that's more important. It's pretty important to us. So, to kick it off, who do you think earns your respect the most in Fast and Furious 6?
1: I'm just good. First off, I feel like I, I haven't mentioned this in any of the other, we've done this six times now. I don't know. To me, I think the money would be more important. I don't know. Maybe I lay like. <laughs> I already help for Brian when he said that, like he was actually like an undercover cop. So like mm-hmm. he really, like if he was going to be a good cop, like he couldn't take the money. So he kind of like, right. the respect was really the only like honorable thing he could take. But like, I don't know. I feel like we maybe need to reevaluate that quote. I mean, it's it, for each person it's different. But for me, I don't know. I think I think I would take the money.
2: They play around with it a little bit throughout the franchise. Because even with Fast Five, like they burn money before they take money. So... But it's a kind of a gray area for them too.
1: <laughs> don't don't get me started on that one. I mean, man, geez, like, uh, I, I again, I think I would have just taken that money and, <laughs> yeah. and settled with that. I mean, I know there was a lot of them to split it up with over, so a mm-hmm. hundred million ended up uh equaling out better for everyone's cut. But yikes. Um, all right, but back to back to the actual question. Uh, <laughs> I think there's, there's some good options. I, you know, Elena, you know, respect for letting Dom go find Letty. I, you know, not everyone mm-hmm. w- would be as understanding. And just be like, Hey, yeah, I, I, I gave up my job and my career back in Rio to go on the run with you. And, you know, we're just having a great time here on this island and, you know, sleeping in, you know, uh, falling in love, maybe, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Go, uh, go find your ex who, you know, maybe is still alive and has amnesia. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, gotta respect that. Um, everyone involved with, you know, I'm mentioning amnesia. That could have gone wrong. I'm just saying amnesia, that's a, a, a soap opera trope, really, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for them to introduce it in, which obviously there's soap opera elements, you know, to uh, to these films. But I feel like they got it, they they pulled it off, in, you know, in a satisfying way. So respect mm-hmm. to them for that. But I don't know. I'll, I'll get your take here. But my personal favorite, and we talked about this on the Fast 4 episode with Justin. Shay Wiggum, great, yeah. char- great character actor, just has no problem showing up to get his ass kicked <laughs> every time he's on screen in a fast movie. Like this guy is getting his nose broken. He's getting, you know, in the gut, like whatever. Like Brian is just beating the crap out of Shea Wiggum's character. So I don't know. I kind of got to give all my respect to someone who, who doesn't mind, uh, you know, coming on set for two days just to get beat up.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um We've talked about this and we'll talk about it more when we get to uh like Furious 7. But when we talked about like, whenever we talk about Charlize Theron, like she's, you say often that she's someone who knows what movie she's in. And that's what I feel like about Shay, like coming back to do this character is he's always game. He's always like, all right, here's the beat that we have to hit. I'm down for it. Um, This is played like there's still a little bit of not kind of a callback to that antagonistic relationship between Brian's character and his character. But this is played more for laughs. And yet, you know, it's still just as impactful. It's a fun little sort of Easter egg for people who are as obsessed with these movies as we are. Um, Yeah. So that's great. I love that. I love that. He's just like, all right, I got the call. Here I am (laughs) to do my scene.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's such an important thing, like you said, uh, you know, to know what kind of, what movie you're in. You know, mm-hmm. and like you said, we'll, we'll talk about, I feel like when we get to Fate of the Furious, we'll talk about Charlize because I think that's what, uh, makes her really good in that is that she's like, no, this isn't monster. I'm, yeah, I'm, in, right, yeah. I, I'm in a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> so Shay definitely knows, uh, like I said, he's in a lot of stuff. Go look at his, his IMDB. It's kind of, it's a murderous row of uh prestige tv and in in memorable movies so uh but he can kind of go through all these different genres and and fit right in um next up quote of the week uh what what are we looking at what kind of options do we have here chanel
2: there are some fun ones um of course i think even just starting with like uh the Hobbs character reaching out and saying, "I need your help, Dom. I need your team." Like that's a whole different dynamic, or it's I mean, it's where we leave off kind of at the end of five. But after spending a whole movie of them kind of on opposite sides, we get to really lean into, all right, there's a there's a friendship here <laughs> that's building. Uh, so that's a fun one. I really love that one. Um, I also love, uh, I don't know, just, we talked about this with five there's just always some good dom delivery lines so the the words those words went out the day we were born i think is a great one in this one um what what do you think as well
1: uh yeah I feel like you you uh i love that one that you just mentioned where he's talking about you know amnesty being uh being being done for uh if they trade that that chip for Mia mm-hmm. uh, obviously you know we have uh the one you mentioned i need your help dom i need your team that's the kind of thing there's certain uh kind of lines or storylines that come up in a movie or a show where I'm like, if you have something like that in your movie or show, I'm all in. Like I've been, you know, I've been like addicted to, M- to mayor of East town. And I remember mm-hmm. like in one of the episodes, you know, sorry, spoiler, but like, you know, I don't know. It's not that big a spoiler. This is a, cause it's a trope. It's like, you know, at the end of the episode, she's like, you know, her, the, her boss takes her Kate Winslet's character's gun and badge and is like, don't you dare investigate, keep investigating this case that the whole <laughs> show was about. Like, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. we know she just lost her gun to bad She's going to keep investigating. But like, I, yeah. I'm like, you know what? If you have that scene, I'm in. Let's go. And with, with, with Hobbs showing up and being like, I need your help, Dom. I need your team. That's like, for me, if I'm sitting in the theater watching any movie and there's a line like that, I'm like, yes, let's go. I'm in. Get yeah. the team. Get the team. The crew were after. They hit like thunder and disappear like smoke. You go in alone, you won't ever touch them been chasing this guy across four continents and 12 countries and believe me, the last damn place I want to be right
0: now is on your front doorstep selling Girl Scout cookies. I need your
1: help, Dom.
2: I need your team.
1: And also, I just missed that Dom and Hobbs dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned on the, you know, on a couple episodes, like I really need, I I missed that. I Mm missed those two together and I hope we get more of that before the franchise wraps up. But that being said, I feel like the winner is ludicrous as Tej's delivery of, they got a tank. Like, that's yeah. just like, <laughs> and it really, cause I feel like, was this the start? I mean, maybe the safe was the start of like, just the, them like throwing in a wild, like thing that shouldn't be like, you're like, wait, they're dragging a safe through the streets of Rio. And then here it's like, wait, they, like there's a this chase, but then there's a tank involved in this chase. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, guys, we gotta come up with another plan. They got a tank. I'm sorry. Did somebody just say a tank? And like, and he perfectly captures the audience's feeling like, wait a minute, a tank? Yeah. I feel like just on paper, it wouldn't have been the line I would pick. But like Ludacris' delivery of it, uh, I think makes that the winner.
2: Yeah, which I feel like applies to so many lines in this franchise is like the way that the actors nail it really just adds so much to it. Because like they got a tank doesn't have to become what it did where they get to make a callback to it later. but I'm invested in it now <laughs> when, when when the Tesh character finally gets his own tank. I'm very happy for him later. Um, and that, that's all because of the way that Ludacris delivers this line right here. So, yeah, I agree.
1: <laughs> I will say, you know, Audible mentioned the best casting for a fake Dom early in the movie. Like when they, <laughs> yeah. when, they when they show that bald guy at the beginning uh, and, you know, they set it up like that's going to be a Dom. And then from the back, you're like, you believe it? And then the front, you're like, oh, that looks nothing like uh, Not uh, Vin at Diesel all. at <laughs> yeah. all. So, uh, well done at least from the best casting from the back. Um, uh, and a we've done on a few of these, and I think uh, is very fitting here is, is Biggest Heat Check, which, and we've made a few me- uh, references to it. And we talked about Sung, but like the long road in mm-hmm. the big climactic chase, like having the longest runway in film history, which again, I think I Googled, and there's been actual studies where apparently that would have been like 26 miles long, oh gosh. which... Can you imagine, I mean, you, you, we've all, you know, maybe not as much recently, but we've all been on planes and just sitting on a runway for hours being like, oh my God, can we take off already? Um, So imagine like having to like, you know, not at those 22 miles. Yeah, Imagine (laughs) just like sitting on that slowly, just in line, you know, waiting for hours to uh, just for your plane to finally take off. But the thing is you're in the sequence and it's probably what, like 20, 30 minutes long. And you never once actually think about it as you're watching it. You're not being like, Mm -hmm. oh man, I don't know, shouldn't they have taken off by now? Like, wouldn't they have run out of runway? No, like, that's just like, it's funny to think about after the fact, but you're you're fully in it as you're watching it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie is... Like you said, they did like the the safe thing in Rio. But at the same time, I feel like this is the first movie where it gets kind of meta, where they're like clearly in on the joke of them becoming superheroes. They're just like, all right, we're just going to push it and see where we go next. And yeah, they can do it because that's who they are. (laughs) Um, And I feel like, you know, pushing the suspension of belief to include a super long um, airplane runway scene just to get in all this action is also that. Like, we're just going to trust the audience to come on that ride with us. And you do. Like, it's great. It's a good time.
1: Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, next up, this is one that we haven't done on every episode, but I feel like it had to come back for this one. The We Hungry Award. Uh, you know, obviously Tyrese famously, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, even Lucas Black was out here quoting it, uh, the We We Hungry line from Too Fast. And it's fitting because, right, also like we haven't mentioned it either. Like the We Hungry thing could usually apply to Han, who's always snacking.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we,
1: those two things kind of come together. Roman's appetite and, uh, Han's penchant. For, for snacking when we have that whole uh, bit with the vending machine at the at the yeah. hangout that they all come to <laughs> and then you know Hobbs ends up shooting uh shooting it open um so I don't know that's a, that's you know we that's a funny little bit I think that uh, felt fitting for the for this award
2: yeah yeah perfect it was a nice little callback um also just speaking of them I'm glad that we got to see in this movie the team up between those two characters the Roman and Han that was really fun in the fight that they lose <laughs> so
1: oh yeah uh, <laughs> that, that, yeah, you actually, I skipped right over where we wanted to talk about that fight. So, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, this is not actually an Oscar category, but we like to say which Oscar Fast should have been nominated for. Well, create a best fight scene, uh, because it yeah. would have to go to the, uh, twofer that we get at the same time where we have Gina Carano, Michelle Rodriguez going at it, like just like a, a tussle. Like this is like probably number two behind. Uh, the, the Hobbs and, uh, Shaw. Yeah. The Hobbs and Don fight from Fast Five. But then at the same time, we get, uh, Sung, Tyrese, and Joe Mm Taslam going at it nearby, but, uh, Roman and Han are just getting destroyed. Destroyed. (laughs) Like, we talked about with Sung, like Han finally gets a fight and then he just, you know, uh, doesn't stand a chance. Uh, and then it's played for last perfectly too at the end they're like, all right, we don't have to tell anybody about this. But yeah. just um and it's probably the only time we we've seen Han like frazzle too, like uh mm-hmm. or, or phase. Like he's usually so cool. Um so I appreciate that. So it's just those two cut together. Uh, it was just such a great moment. So, you know, Oscars, go invent the best fight scene and then retroactively give the first one the fast six.
2: Yeah, because it deserves it. And I feel like even even now, like you can cut them a little bit more slack. I mean, this, Jotasim is sub-zero. So how could you have beat him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you tried your best.
1: <laughs> that's that's a great point. It's a great point. Um, next up, the holy shit moment of the week. I think there's a few. I, I would say that Dom jumping to save Letty during that yeah. tank sequence and like, Perfectly somehow landing on a car, even though it looks like they probably both should have died. Um, It might be the most (laughs) romantic thing I've ever seen in a film. So uh, that that was a good contender. But you you mentioned earlier, the Statham reveal. You know, Mm -hmm. we we knew one day we were going to catch up with Han's quote unquote death scene in Tokyo Drift. And we finally do here in the mid credits in uh, Fast 6. But who could have imagined? We see the car smash into him just like it did in Tokyo Drift. But then out gets Jason freaking Statham. Like that's yeah. like in the theater, you're like, holy crap! I don't remember if there was rumors about that or what, but you're like, what? Wait, wait, wait a minute! What is going on here? And then it just sets up. Obviously, Statham, you know, is the is the villain in, in Fury Seven, which we'll get into next week. And then you know mm-hmm. he you know has a bit of an evolution, which again, maybe you know that's part of why we've gotten the calls of justice for Han. But Great. in the moment, in that theater. You're like you're literally like holy shit when he's
2: yeah up. yeah, absolutely i like you, I don't really remember if it was like rumored that he would be in the movie or anything like that, but i I think because we're also focused on of course like being sad that we've just lost Giselle, we know Han is like now going to go to Tokyo and what eventually happens, so I think as a viewer in that moment, you're just like kind of bummed out that you have to say goodbye to this character and then that reveal happens and it's like now my emotions are all over the place what's coming what is this it adds they're so great at that it's just like adding another layer to build up that anticipation for what the next adventure is and that's like a perfect moment of it i was super shocked
1: yeah no you're totally right what's up next
2: Chanel? Where where are we at here in the awards Alright, so we have to get into the jaw Rule mistake of the week. We didn't really have one last time for Fast Five, but we might have some c- contenders here. I mean, there's the sort of coincidental thing of, you know, they lose Giselle, they lose Gal Gadot in the movies before she becomes Wonder Woman. Uh, we have to say goodbye to a character that we really love. Um, and... Like you mentioned with the Letty amnesia plot, like that could have gone really wrong. They don't really get too into the amnesia of it all. It's just sort of an explanation for why she hasn't like contacted the team. Um, so that could be something that was just, just poorly conceived, but it, I think it works for the most part. So, um, I think, though, we kind of have to eat our words a little bit on what I think would have been both of our choice, which is like the random moment where Brian goes back to LA and then when he rejoins Dom, Dom's like, whatever you found out, that's for you. Like, it ends up being like in the movie kind of a useless sidebar, you would think. But, uh, but I really liked the explanation that we got for it. So it makes a little more sense now.
1: Yeah, the Lydia Amnesia thing on paper, I would have been like, oh, really, that's what we're choosing to go with? But... They pull it off here, and then I think it even pays off better in uh, Furious 7, which like I said, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about more on that episode. Gal, you know, yeah, we lose Giselle, but would she have become Wonder Woman? Like, if she was still booked up for the future Fast movies, would she her schedule have been cleared to be able to be Wonder Woman? I don't yeah. know. Um, So, you know, as much as we miss that character and her and Han together, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe there's, you know... Maybe I, I teased it with, with song. I'm like, I don't know. Do we can we start the calls <laughs> for her back now? um uh, But I think you're right on the on the Brian uh, random trick back to L.A. Because rewatching it, you're always like, what? This is kind of strange. Like, why is he like? We're it was basically like a sequel to Fast Four, like a 10 minute mm-hmm. sequel to Fast Four. And I didn't dislike what was going on, but it just felt like weirdly placed. And like, yeah. why is, you know, why is he so removed from the rest of the team? But it feels like we got the explanation last week on the Fast Five episode when Jordana said that she had to be, she was very limited with her participation on Six because she was uh, booked up on a, t- on a TV show where she was a regular. Mm-hmm. So I would assume maybe there was some more Brian, Mia stuff that would have taken place if Jordana was more available. So right. that ordinarily, like you said, would have been our answer, but... Maybe we maybe again are we two weeks in a row, or maybe we don't actually have a mistake i you know yeah, um these movies to to us are pretty uh bulletproof, so um so so we uh we we end up where we have no notes again, i guess is uh, mm-hmm. is is a good place to be, but lastly, as we always do we we decide the ultimate winner of fast six, and I think there's a lot of contenders state them you know he's mm-hmm. only in for one scene, but like what this became for him has been huge um justin Lin and, and sung um you know this being their swan song as yeah. as we thought it to be would have been a good way to go out um i know we're we're excited that both of them are back so we're glad it wasn't their swan song but if it had been and maybe if it was maybe if fast if maybe if they weren't back for f9 like that those would be who <laughs> we would go with yeah but to me and we haven't talked a lot about giselle we just mentioned gal i think han and giselle i think are, are my uh, my ultimate winners because this is a love story. Like, we all became very attached to these two characters together. And, like, for for her death and his reaction, his silent, stunned reaction there at the end of that runway scene,
2: mm-hmm. to have the emotional
1: impact it did, I don't think any of us could have predicted that. Like, you know, Giselle shows up in four, never interacts with Han. We get them, you know, we get the flirtation and, like, we get the one really fun scene. Like when they go to get the the, the handprint, right? Yeah. Uh, in five, we get some nice flirting, and then we get them in the you know kind of end mon- uh, you know montage together, going you know on on the road. But this is where they really establish all- this relationship and really flesh it out and make it something that we're invested in. To where by the end of this movie, not only are we feeling the Giselle loss, but we're feeling Hans loss. And mm-hmm. like I said, just every time when we get to the end of that runway. And we see Han. Everyone celebrate. Oh, Dom made it out. Blah blah blah. We saved the day. And and Han is just standing there, speechless. Like his, his the look on it. I think it's a great great job by Sung playing this moment. And then you know Mia just turning to him and be like, "Where's Giselle?" Yeah. Where's Giselle? And then you're like, "Oh my god!" Like and then then Mia and Brian go, both go over and and hug Han as he's just like again just speechless. And again, Sung said he thinks that's the last time he ever. Hugged Paul, which is yeah. even a more emotional moment now. Us, you know, anytime we mm-hmm. rewatch it. So for me, that that love story just really came together here and just added those emotional beats that really make this movie stand out from others. I think so. I don't know. I end up with Han and Giselle. Do, are you? Are you? Do you agree with that thinking?
2: I think you're totally right. It they don't like if you were to string out all of the actual scenes that they have. It's probably not that much screen time spent at least. On that relationship. Like, obviously, they're both throughout a number of movies, but if you were just to cut in, like, all the Han and Giselle relationship stuff, it would probably be not that much film, but they sell it so well. And I think that, like, you're talking about that last shot where we see Han just devastated sort of ties it all together. Like, oh, like that, that is a lot of deep feeling. Deep caring. I think it's also really impactful that the last we see of her is because she's saving Han's life. Like, that's why she lets go. It just adds such a power to this relationship that could have been kind of a side, like, throwaway kind of thing, but it gets its due somehow. Um, without having had a whole lot of time to set it up or really like carry it out. But it it, it I believe in it. I love it. <laughs> I love this relationship. I was so sad to have it gone. Like even though, you know, eventually it can't last because he's alone in Tokyo. Um, it, it's a heartbreaker and heartwarming at the same time to like how much they care about each other. So yeah, I think you're you're spot on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you know, maybe if Giselle gets a mention in F9 or like yeah. what kind of impact her loss has had on Han in the years he's been gone. So we can't wait to uh, to see that and then, you know, talk about it down the road. Speaking of, we've officially reached the end of this episode's runway. Thanks again to the great Sung Kang. And like Brian O'Connor, we hope we earned your respect and that you keep listening to EW's binge of the Fast Saga. When next week we're flying through Furious 7 with a special two-parter in which we'll be joined by both Michelle Rodriguez and Tyrese Gibson. I'm already excited and sad just thinking about it. See you again then. In the meantime, please subscribe and listen along every week wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, tell us what you think, share it with your friends and family.
2: You can find us on Twitter at Derek J. Lawrence or me at Chanel Berlin.
1: Also head to EW.com for complete coverage of the Fast Saga and full episode transcripts.
2: This episode was hosted and produced by Derek Lawrence and Chanel Berlin Johnson, produced, edited, and mixed by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Carly Usdin and Shayna Naomi Krokma.
1: Thanks for listening. And until next time, salute me podcast familia.